Hi, my name is Melissa K. Jones, founder of Little Black Desk Society and host of Women Who Excel. Women Who Excel is a leadership podcast featuring conversations with female founders to encourage excellence in leadership when serving our community, industry, and teams. I am excited to bring you a diverse group of women from different industries and backgrounds. Let's get started. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to Women Who Excel podcast. I'm excited to have you share your leadership journey with us. For those who haven't heard of Dreams Unleashed, tell us briefly what you do. Absolutely. So I am the founder and dream architect of Dreams Unleashed. I help women to discover, define, and confidently live out their God-given dreams. So when we think about that, just by nature, I believe that women tend to nurture everybody else's dreams and put theirs on the back burner. And then a lot of times by the time they are ready to do whatever it is, they feel like they don't have the time, the energy, the resources, the people, the money to make it happen. And so the work that I do is I show them they have everything they need right now to get started right where they are. I love that. So needed. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Well, recently you had a conversation from a client and friend who said, Michelle, if you want to unleash other women, you need to get unleashed yourself. And that was a great story of how in order to serve others, we have to be willing to lead by example and take a step of faith and pursue our purpose, our ability to impact and help others increases. So you help women, like you said, discover, define, and design their purpose. And for many women, a part of their purpose includes serving others. Mm -hmm. And I believe leadership is how we choose to show up and serve others, regardless of what our title is or how many people we can impact or serve. Leaders are people who are helping others grow and move from point A to point B. Yet sometimes as women, we shy away from stepping up to lead or taking charge when it's Mm -hmm. outside of our comfort zone. So my question Mm -hmm. for you as being a dream architect, Why do you think that we tend to shy away from stepping up to lead, even when we know what our purpose is? Oh my gosh, listen, that is such a great question. Thanks for asking it. Um, Because I do, I remember very clearly that day that my friend, her name is Maddie, um, we were in a coaching session. It was a group coaching session and I was teeter-totter. I had been talking about leaving Starbucks and um, I was really, I was just afraid. And I've been having these conversations and we were just about to get started group. And she was like, listen, if you want to be unleashing people, you got to get unleashed yourself. And it was exactly the words that I needed to hear in terms of being challenged. Because to your question, you know, when I think about um, why women don't step out, it's because of a forced fear. But then the question is fear of what? And I think it is that idea of fear of failure, because especially when, as we live more and more in the space of social media curation, there is the output product of what is um, after 25,000 tries, right? And so we see that people are so-called winning based on what they curate. And so even before social media, I think that 
as women, there's a lot of times where we feel like we have to have all the answers and have it perfectly right. But the deal is that we have to embrace that you are going to fail. You are going to mess up. But the challenge of what happens is that a lot of times that failure, we see it as personal failure, like I am bad. I had this conversation with somebody recently about even like school systems, the way that we are, um, our children are raised. And I mean, when I went to school is that when we think about a grading system, and I think grading systems are great, I think that they're needed, but when you get an A, or if you get an F or an E, depending on what school district you're in, uh, E is not for excellent, E is equivalent to F in some school districts. It's that you can think of you are a failure or you are not good, that you have not passed. And it even shows up, for example, and I have to check this with myself as a parent, that when my child comes home with a school grade and you're flipping through all the papers and you got A, B, A, B, A, B, A, B, A, B, and then you see this D and it's like you focus on the D. And it's like, why are we focusing on the D? The child just came with all of this excellence. And the one thing that you're going to focus on is the D. And so then what can happen is that I know that I've seen this with um, some of my, my older children is that they didn't want to bring home the D. So they would embed the D or leave the D, you know, at school because the, the feeling of disappointment Whereas because we don't embrace failure and help people to understand that failure is a part of the process, you are going to mess up, you are going to get it wrong, but you have to move past that and understand that that is a part of the journey itself. And so because we fear that we don't have it all together, we don't um, move forward with accepting promotions because we think that we still have 20 more boxes we got to check, or we don't go out for the job opportunity because all the boxes aren't checked in terms of what the requirements of the jobs are. And so we just have to do a better job of being able to embrace failure, not as a flaw of who you are, but failure is a part of the journey and you have to take it. I completely agree. And I think to the point that you said about children hiding the grades because of fear of disappointing their parents, I think that same thing can apply to us as small business owners, founders, entrepreneurs, is that we're afraid to fail because of we're afraid of who we could disappoint, whether it's the teams, whether it's our clients or communities, or whether it's the people that have invested in us. I can speak for that. Um, mm-hmm. Just, I think it's really hard because you have these people that are supporting you and encouraging you and you're grateful for their trust and their support, but at the same time, like you don't want to let them down. So what you were saying, like that fear of disappointment of people that you care about and you love can really impact our choices. It sure can. Absolutely. I agree. And I think something else that you talked about too, and that failure doesn't define us and Mm -hmm knowing that and separating it, I think is even more challenging, especially as entrepreneurs is because so many times we have, and especially like you said, with social media, that our brand, because there's such Mm -hmm. a big push for personal branding that it becomes a part of us or because we're so Mm. invested in our businesses that it's our baby, Mm. get all of that. But also too, like, so like if our business fails or if there's a portion where we don't achieve a goal. Like it doesn't define who we are as women. Absolutely. 
And I think the same, like within a career, just because you didn't get a promotion or Mm -hmm. didn't get the job that you wanted, like it doesn't define who you are as a person. And I think that's sometimes the struggle of separating the two, like things don't define us, like our character and how we choose to respond Mm -hmm. to things define who we are. So Mm -hmm. with that being said, like, what do you think are common beliefs, practices, and situations that you've seen that hold women back, like in either your community or women that you've coached and how do you help them overcome it? Yeah, I think a lot of it, just along the lines of we think about that fear of failure, right? A lot of this stuff is just in our minds. It's the mind games, you know? And so on one side of the continuum, there's fear of failure, but on the other side, there's fear of success. So once you get, you know, you could get past the idea, okay, I'm going to fail, right? But then you start playing these mind games with yourself about, oh my God, if I succeed, am I going to have enough team? Do I have enough money? What if I can't fulfill all these orders? And so you put yourself in these mental cold sweats because of the mind games that you play with yourself that you are not enough. And so, especially when I'm working with clients, you know, when people do what I call, and others call it as well, a discovery call with me, um, one of the things that I tell them is that, you know, we can start off with, I can't tell you the exact number of coaching sessions that you're going to need to be able to get you to XYZ place. And the reason is because you can come in with the objective of, um, I want to discover what my purpose is. And I am incredible. I am very gifted at being able to help people to determine what that is, right? And so, but the deal is that when we start the work, I don't know what we're going to unpack. And a lot of times what can happen is as we're jumping into the work that there are mind beliefs that I'm finding out that I need to walk alongside of you, you know, part coach, part girlfriend to help you to shift what's happening up here. Because we could put all the strategy together that we want to say, listen, this is what it is. This is what your timeline is. This is the budget that you, you're saying that you're going to put towards that. But then when it's time for you to push go, all that mind stuff will undo all of the good work that you've put together. And so a lot of what needs to happen for us, you know, and I'll just say because we're talking about women, um, is that we need to get out of our own way when it comes to the mind trappings that we have. A lot of times, you know, people talk about haters and this, that, and the other, but sometimes before you check the hater outside, you got to check that hater within and be able to address those limiting beliefs that are going to hold you back from what you say it is that you really want. Amen. I agree. Mindset is almost like the entire battle sometimes in Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. or just with your career. Like, and to your point about like people can finally accept the fear of failure and then it's the fear of success. It mm-hmm. really requires a different version of ourselves. And so like you mm-hmm. said, how you're helping people unpack those things that if yeah. we don't unpack what those limiting beliefs or those things that we used to believe, even if mm-hmm. we have that door open or that opportunity comes and falls in our lap, are we going to know how to respond to it? Like mentally, like will we have mm-hmm. the discipline or the mindset needed to take it on and do it well? Yep. Yep. 
And I think the other thing is, um, and I know that we talked about a little bit before outside of this, is that in terms of how to overcome it, um, when I think about how to actually overcome something like that, well, the thing that I challenge women with, whether it is with um, our vision board playbooks that we use or whether it's in one-on-one -on -one or through coaching, is I believe along with, you know, working with me, I also think that it's important to have ongoing accountability in your life. So that shows up even in my own personal life. So I have a handful of people that hold me accountable um, because it's important that, for example, I have a friend who we do business together, but then she also is the person that pushes me and that she'll say something like, Michelle, I need you to call XYZ person. And in my head, I'm doing the flip-flopping but oh my gosh, what if it is that they don't um, respond? I'm doing the same thing that I'm coaching my clients with, right? And so I know the right thing to do, but even though we know the right thing to do, whoever you are, I don't care who you are in this mega world of celebrity status of people are, everybody still has something. You only see the outward appearance of what they're showing you, but everybody, I don't care how big they are, they are dealing with some of the mental yo-yo stuff, right? So the way that we deal with that mental yo-yo stuff and overcome it is you need accountability in your life. So that same friend that I was talking about, you know, she'll say, like I said before, you know, I need you to call XYZ person. Well, when I drag my feet on that, she'll move from, I need you to call XYZ person to listen, I just put you in the email with XYZ person. And so now you just got to respond. And so <laughs> having those people who will push you out of the airplane, you know, they, they know you got your parachute. They're not going to push you out the airplane without a parachute, but they will push you out and say, girl, what you going to do now? And so having those kind of people in our life, I think is very integral. Oh, I agree. And surrounding yourself, like you said, with those type of people is what makes everyone better. And mm -hmm. all day long, that community. You had an interview recently with Angela Jones, where you said, it's not about you because you're just one person. It's the threat in you, the hundreds, thousands, millions, you have the potential to impact. So at the time you were talking about fighting for your purpose and mm -hmm. knowing your purpose is something many women struggle with regardless of age. So with you and your work, how do you find your purpose? And will you describe the journey that it took for you to find that? Heck yeah. You know, I love that you put into that question and that thought process that it is a journey. You know, it's not this thing where it's like you wake and say, hey, this is my purpose. You've got to <laughs> try and that word that we talked about before, you got to fail and blunder because part of knowing what you want is discovering what you don't want. It is the same thing, you know, whether it is talking about your purpose as it is dating, right? As people say, you got to kiss some frogs before you find that prince because it helps you to determine that hey, this is what I don't want in my life, right? And so for me, um, and I know, you know, some of your background as well is that I come from a family of entrepreneurs. And so that's kind of something that's been floating in the air. And so for me, whether it was in high school or and then especially in college, I tried a lot of different stuff. And to be honest, the thing that I struggled with was because, was that, um, in trying a lot of stuff, I didn't seem as resolute as some of my friends did, who they appeared to know exactly what it what what it is that they wanted to do. Um, I wasn't that person. So for some, I appear very flip floppy, right? 
And it would hurt my feelings. And I love my girls. It would hurt my feelings, you know, when they would say, you are so, you so wishy-washy. I think that was the word that they would say. And I understand, you know, in context what they were saying, but I took it what? personal when they would say it. And, but what I love and as, as I've matured in life, what I've understood is that I love that part about me because be, I was willing to try a lot of different things. It helped me to hone in on what it was that I love. So in prior to working um, as the founder of Dream Architect for Dreams Unleashed, for 20 plus years, I was an executive assistant. And in being in that space, the thing that I knew that I loved was business. And the jobs or assignments, I like to call them assignments and not jobs, but the assignments that I had, um, one of those was five years I worked at Fannie Mae, um, which is a housing um, um, financing company that's based here in the D.C. area. And one of the departments that I was in was corporate strategy. And that's why I think that nothing is by accident in terms of the assignments that we have. I think that they are building blocks to the things that we are going to do. They are constantly teaching us and giving us the tools that we need for the next assignment. And so because I worked in corporate strategy, it really put me in that place of being alongside executives, understanding the importance of strategy and thinking not just for today, but thinking for tomorrow and big picture where you want to go. And so finally, after being in, um, in that executive assistant world for about 20 years, I felt that for me, from a faith perspective, and I know we all come from different backgrounds, um, for me personally, from a faith perspective, I could feel God saying, Michelle, it's time for a shift. You know, you've been in this executive assistant world for quite some time. And I think you, you know, you really hit that, you know, the, the, the crust of where I wanted you to be. But now I need you to take that experience and apply everything that you learned and you garnered working with executives to figure out their dreams and what they wanted and their strategies from a personal and a professional side. And I want you to apply that to your other area of passion of working with women to help them in the everyday dreams, you know, whether it is the big dream of purpose or whether it's a woman that says, listen, I've always wanted to travel around the world, but I have not done it yet. Help her to see that she has exactly what she needs to get started, to break it down with her and to hold her accountable for what she said she wanted to see happen in her life. I love that. While you were telling your journey, it reminded me of a quote that said, bloom where you're planted. And mm-hmm. I think so many times now, like we really want to find our purpose immediately or that dream job immediately. And Mm -hmm. it's such a process, like you just shared with your story. And if we don't take the time out to bloom in these individual jobs, even though there may not be our dream jobs, then we're missing out on the lessons that we need in order to better serve people later. And Mm -hmm. we're not preparing ourselves, like all those little steps along the way. It's like fertilizer. And like, even within your case, you said those assignments that you had as an executive admin, they made you prepared to help women now create their vision and their purpose. When you were, you know, 
I'm sorry, one more thing I, I, you know, as you were sharing with that, talking about that, is that it reminds me of just in terms of, and we say this, all of us say this all the time about when we think about our younger generation, like my kids and those who are a bit older than them, is that I think the thing that they don't always have the benefit is of understanding process and the importance of process and the importance of time. But we ourselves can be the same way. When I think about like old school craftsmanship of furniture, right? And old old school craftsmanship of furniture is that if you get an old piece of like an antique dresser, you learn, you know, about dovetail, about dovetail joints. And with an old piece of furniture with dovetail joints, when you take the time to create that joint with a dresser drawer and you craft it and you're not just gluing it together just so that you can finish it, that dresser will have so much more longevity than the dresser that just got, you know, um, put together. So as much as I love their brands, I won't mention, but there are brands that people love that they go there for furniture for inexpensive pieces that look simple in design um, and are easy to put together, right? But the deal is that whenever I go to that store and I buy from them is that I know this is not going to be something that's going to last me the long haul, right? And so when we think about your purpose and you're in that process that's important, you really want to think about going the long way in, in terms of being able to go through the process and get down into your roots what you need, because that's what's going to sustain you. When other people get stuck and they don't know what to do, you are going to be so resourced because you allow time to really get down into you to learn and get the experiences, not just from what you think you need, but other pieces too that are going to help you to resolve things that other people will get stuck at because they got the microwave version. You went the long haul and got all of the pieces of information that you're going to need, and that's what's going to set you apart from everybody else. And so that's the importance of being able to go through that word that you say, your journey. Go through your journey so that when you show up at your particular destinations, you have all the tools that you need to get the job done and excel at a level that makes you stand out. I love that you brought that back, um, pulled that full circle, because even when we get to our quote unquote dream jobs and we have our businesses mm-hmm. that we're running, we still have that same process, that same journey mm-hmm. where there's going to be things that we don't like or that we may not necessarily get paid for, but has other benefits yeah. or we're going to have situations with clients that are going to be learning lessons for us if we are aware and open our eyes to them. But if we're yeah. trying to like, just go fast, like you said, microwave and get to that and for a lot of people, it's like visible success. Like what do others think of us being put on a platform? Yep. Which mm-hmm. you and I both know that's not success. Um, yep. So I love that you pulled that back to the microwave Thank and you. sustainability and the dovetailed craftsmanship. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you went oh details. Cool. <laughs> oh, so, cool. As you've had your own personal transition, how have you shed old habits and evolved relationships so you could step into your purpose? And we talked about this a little bit before in the conversation about how like mindset, it requires a new version of yourself. So mm-hmm. how has that transition been for you? Hard. <laughs> 
because as they say, old habits, old habits die hard. They do. You know, when you're thinking about like, I'm such a, clearly I love analogies because I'm very visual. When you think about if you break a bone, right? It is the doctor typically, and I'm clearly, I'm no medical person, but they put you in a cast, you know, so that the bot, so that the bone can, can set to where it really needs to go. Because when you think about muscle memory and all those kinds of things, we, it's easier to go back to the old way. Even if the old way is dysfunctional, it can be so freaking dysfunctional. You know, it doesn't work, but you go that way because you kind of know where the minds are. It's like, like old school, old school. It's like when you had like the analog phone, like the little Nokia, that the only games you had on there was Minesweeper. And the thing about Minesweeper, the old game, <laughs> is that you would push the button and it would show you like kind of, it would open things up and you would be able to see where all these different bombs are that you were going to try to avoid. And that is how life can be very dysfunctional for us is that we play our life like that, that it's like, I know this is dysfunctional, but I know where the bombs and the triggers are. So I'm going to just kind of eggshell step over that stuff. And so when we, when I think about even for myself trying to overcome old habits, like for me, and I've shared this very transparently before, um, just because I, I just believe in the importance of us being able to share our own transparent struggles because it helps people to see themselves in your story. And so part of my story is that being fiscally um, fit has just not been a part of my upbringing. And so I've had to do significant work with not just the book knowledge, because for years I had the book knowledge. I had attended every class and all that. But what had not shifted for me was the mind and the heart. And if the mind and the heart does not shift with the book knowledge, it's not lasting. And so in order for that to be lasting for me, that's where back to the accountability thing comes into play. And being able to have people in my circles who will call me to, as we were talking about before about calling you to the carpet, people who will call me to the carpet and say, Michelle, what are you doing? And so even for me, some of that is being adult enough to still get on a bike with training wheels. And what that means for me is that, for example, when I'm trying to create new savings habits, right? My old habit has been that when I am saving money, I get excited and it's like, yep, I'm saving money for X, Y, Z, right? So then the money goes into the savings where I still have access to it, but then life happens and then I feel like I can easily access that money. Well, when I'm trying to create a new habit, because I know that my old, that's my old habits and my old dysfunction, what I do is I bring accountability into play. And so one of the things I've done more recently, there's something specific that I have to say for, I brought my brother, my older brother into the equation. And so I was like, listen, this is what I've got to say for. And so my responsibility with him was, I have to send him a certain amount of money every single, um, on the designated days that I've given him. And on that morning, if I have not sent it his way, he's texting me like, yo, where's the money at? And granted, it's a person that I trust. And of course, I can have access to the money, all those kinds of things. But he's also somebody that I fear in a respectful way, that I fear disappointing him that I didn't do it. So in order to make those kinds of shifts, I have to, one, be very transparent about where I am. And I have to expose 
where I would typically have the pitfall. Because if I can be honest and transparent about what my real condition is, then that empowers somebody else to walk alongside of me and say, in love, Michelle, this is what your old habits are. And this is where your old habits take you. You don't want to go that place anymore. So what are we going to put in place together so that you start to reset this bone in a place that is going to be in a natural, more natural position of where you really want it to be. So that's how, for me, I began to make those adjustments to really start to shift my, para, my paradigm of thinking and behaviors to line up to where it is I really want to go. Something that you mentioned when you were telling that is you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if your heart and mind aren't ready, then it's not going to happen. Girl. Girl. <laughs> I'm just going to let that marinate for everyone mm-hmm. to think about, but it's so true. Like, I think, especially with all of the content that we consume on a regular basis, like, and we invest in going to seminars and webinars and conferences, but if we're not ready to implement and execute on it, it doesn't matter. Like, and so mm-hmm. changing those habits and having that accountability when you know that you want to make the change can also help move you in that right direction. So I'm glad that you shared that. Absolutely. How have you used your purpose and gifts and gifts specifically being like your people skills, organization, knowledge of infrastructure and systems to build and lead a community of women? What practices have you developed to be confident in using those gifts in leading your community? Yeah. You know, one of the things I try to do is I try to, connect the women in the in my community with one another so that they can know one another and collaborate so for example when I travel to different cities like I was in Austin recently um, I try to host meetups and in those meetups they're typically like no charge Um, they're not it's not a money-making thing that I do Um, I usually partner with for example this last one I partnered with WeWork to host it at one of their co-working spaces and I get women um, who follow me on like Instagram or in my emails and I share with them, hey, I'm, I'm coming into the city. Um, I'm going to have a meetup. Um, it'll be nominal fee. Basically, you're paying for your food. Um, and so in those meetups, it's free coaching from me. But then you also get the wisdom of the women around the table. And the thing is that when I leave, because I'm one physical person, yes, I can connect with you on email, through coaching, through Instagram and all that but I'm one physical person for you to know right there in your city is a community of women who, who have, who are learning you, who know you, who understand what challenges you're facing and want to run alongside of you. One of the greatest sort of like, I guess how um, parents are proud, not that I'm some mama bird to any of these incredible women, but if I think about, you know, how parents become very proud of their children, one of the, the proud moments for me are when those, the women walk away from the table and I see on Instagram that they're collaborating together, that they're doing uh, photography studio shots together, that they're introducing each other to other people that they need to know. That is like the biggest win for me because at the end of the day for me, just, you know, as a confident woman, I know I'm going to win. I'm going to win because faith says I'm going to win. And so if I know I'm going to win, there's no threat in me helping you to win all 
also by meeting other people throughout these networks of people that I'm meeting so that you can win too. So I'm like, shoot, if, if I'm going to win, I already know I'm going to win. Let me help you win too. So if that means just in this community, introducing you to other people, if I hear that you have a need and I know somebody that can help solve your need, how, how selfish of, it, of me would it be for me not to share information with you so that you can eat? You know, if, I, if I'm already being fed, right? My, one of the things my dad taught me, my dad passed away when I was like in my, my late 20s, I think it was. And one of the things my dad taught me, he was a Vietnam veteran. And I, when he, actually when we did his, um, they did his eulogy and the pastor who asked me questions about his life. And I said, my dad, just as he was, um, he was like on his last days, we I was taken to Viet, um, the Viet, um, what is it called? The Vet, Veterans Hospital here in mm-hmm. D.C. And I was just, you know, from a faith perspective, I just wanted to be assured that he knew what his afterlife was going to be like and all that kind of stuff. And it was a tough conversation. And in asking my dad, first of all, I was scared to ask him just because I was just scared. Um, And so I did this thing when I'm scared about something, I'll say, okay, in my mind, I'm like, I'm counting three. Okay, I'm going to count three. I'm going to say it. So mentally, I'm doing this thing in my mind. So I said, like, one, two, three in my mind. So then I asked my dad the question. And the thing my dad said that will continue to stick with me and he said Michelle I'm glad I'm the pig who got skinned and I'm like what do you mean my dad had cancer and he said you know out of all of my siblings I'm I'm grateful that I'm the one that's having to walk through this and not them and when I thought about my dad's life and the life that he had lived was not just by words but by doing and he would literally people say I'll give you the shirt off my back my dad literally I had seen him do it. He literally gives somebody the shirt off of his back because they didn't have a shirt. And he taught me those lessons through his life that there's enough for everybody. That if I give you this shirt off my back, I'm confident that I'm going to get another shirt. It may not be the same shirt or maybe one that's better, but I'm going to get another shirt, right? And so having that confidence that there's enough of knowledge, of opportunities for me to get what I need for the success of my life, but for you to get it too. So that's the kind of community that I build is that I attract women who are confident in themselves. Doesn't mean that you're not afraid of, you know, opportunities and things like that but who are willing to share. That's just the type of women that authentically gravitate to Dreams Unleashed, women who want to see other, others win. And it's just so happened that way. And I'm grateful to God for that, that the women who come into those spaces are in that space as opposed to other things that I've seen on social media and other circles. We just don't attract those kind of people. So I love this community and I'm grateful that they love to collaborate and share and help one another win. Well, you said about them gravitating to you. That's because of what you put out. That's because of who you are. I'm a big believer that how we choose to show up is what comes our way. And so so kudos to you on building that community. And for those listening, what you want, you have to be that. Mm-hmm. I love that. There's this quote from one of my favorite movies. There's probably, it may be in one of my top 10, I think, movies. But Remember the Titans um, is based on a school that's local here in the D.C. area. I think it's C.C. Williams. I think that's the school that it's about. Um, and one of the quotes that he says is, attitude reflects leadership. 
And I remember hearing that and sharing that with one of the executives that I was working with is that it is so important as a leader to cultivate that kind of community. And whenever companies are looking at how to adjust the culture, one of the things that I've always challenged executives is that if you want to change the culture, you got to pay attention to what are you emitting? Because some of that, that some of that dis-ease that you're feeling in the culture, if it didn't just show up by itself. Even if that's not a part of your personality, there's something that you're allowing into the atmosphere that is allowing that thing to grow. And so it's so important for us as leaders in, you know, some of, some of us may be in places where we lead 10,000. Some of us may be in places where we lead five or two, but whatever it is, that attitude reflects leadership is so key. So thanks for bringing that up. You're welcome. And on that, I think that self-awareness of mm -hmm. what is our, what emotions are we portraying and sharing? How do we communicate? Because to your point, like leaders, regardless of the size of people that they're impacting, like that impacts other people. And if you're not happy with either the team that you have or the community that you're leading, mm -hmm. it all starts with us first. And yep, so all day long. What are, how are we showing up? Um, yeah. Back to, <laughs> you talked about taking care of yourself and then also the analogy of, well, story of your dad giving his shirt off of his back and knowing that you have the faith that you're still going to win. I love that. And part of that comes from you knowing that you've put things in place that everyone mm -hmm. else is going to do well you're still going right. to do well. And so similar to an oxygen mask analogy when flying for leadership, we have to take care of ourselves in order to take care of others. Right, exactly. So what are some of the personal and professional habits you've developed to be able to show up and lead your community well? Right, right. So in terms of my community, in terms of what I do to be able to lead, um, at, at least try to lead well and taking care of myself first um, is trying to make sure that I'm healthy, you know, and not just, I have work to do in terms of the physical space of being healthy. So I, I guess that, <laughs> that needs to happen. But even from a mental space, you know, am I leaving, leading from a mentally well space, you know, because that impacts everything. And so whether that means for some of us having to, um, or, or looking into um, therapy, on an ongoing basis, because something doesn't have to be wrong to go to a therapy, to go to therapy. Nothing has to be wrong. Everything can be right. But to have somebody who is not necessarily tied emotionally to you, but is, has a vested interest in seeing you win, but then to also stretch your thinking beyond what you see, because when it comes to our own lives, we only can see, you know, from our perspective, we have a very limited view in terms of how life happens. And sometimes we don't always see how one piece connects to the other piece. And so working with therapists, um, a lot of times will help you to see that how you're making decisions, that it didn't just, it's not just happening like that, that there are other pieces in your life that are also connected to how you're making those decisions. So I think in being a well leader, and it doesn't mean not perfect, but being a aware leader who um, is willing to do the work internally 
so that you can lead your team from a healthy place, I think is very important. Um, especially, I think now that we have so much access, people have so much access to us compared to years and years and years ago, um, and that in any given moment, you know, your text messages are going off, your email, your, you know, the phone is ringing. Um, there's so many ways for people to connect with you is that you're constantly being pulled and we're expected to do things even faster. And so when we are, you know, we're still human beings and as human beings, there's but so much that we can produce. And so I think it's healthy and it's good for those who are, you know, who are in leadership capacities to be in a space where they are also getting the support and the help that they need and understand that you don't have to have it all together. You're not going to have it all together. And so you need a team, a person that is running alongside of this journey with you to be able to help you to unpack what's happening in your mental and in your emotional spaces and spiritual spaces as well. I agree because it will manifest itself at some point. It and sure will. <laughs> knowing that, um, I will. there's so many things that cross over between our personal and our professional lives, and especially in a leadership role. To your point, I think that's why it's so important. Like I see therapy more as preventive care. Like you're doing that yeah. maintenance on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And to your point, like there's nothing wrong with you. It's just the checkup and yeah, you need the it. work, like fitness, yeah. but for your mind yeah. and for I your mean, well -being. Like you said, I mean, you, you said it perfectly just now, you know, just that whole idea of a checkup. You take your car for, if you're, a, if you really take care of you, if you really appreciate your car, right? You take your car for the checkup that it needs so that it can run at its highest performance level. Now, if you don't care about your Maserati running at a highest performance level and you just really just wanted the Maserati and you cool with it running in the ground and not being able to do all that it was created to do, then cool, you can live your life like that. But if it is, and I consider us to be Maserati or whatever high performing car you want to call yourself, you know, if because you are a Maserati, you need to do the things that are needed so that you could perform at your highest and best use, like your highest. Because if you're only performing at 40 or 50%, then you have to ask yourself, am I doing the maintenance that I need and giving this body? Because there's nothing wrong with the Maserati. It's what you're not doing to allow it to perform. So I love that you use um, checkup. <laughs> Thank you. And just to nail that home, I'll say in my professional experience leading a team, there was an instance where a team member was disrespectful to me and it really frustrated me at the time. And, but I also, in reflection, was able to see that I was allowing other areas of my life for people to disrespect me. And it's because mm -hmm. I hadn't learned that personal lesson. Yes. And so mm -hmm. then it translated to work. And I was like, oh, nope, we're not going to have that happen again. <laughs> yep, girl, if I could high-five you right now, I would just, I'm just like high-fiving you right now. Yes to that. But it takes time. And until you have those experiences, you don't know. But you have to take the time to reflect and say, like, why did this happen? Where is this coming from? And then do the work that it requires to fix it. So to your point, like that therapy, like, that's the preventative care. Like if I had therapy, maybe that wouldn't have happened because we would have already discussed the respect issue. Um, mm -hmm. But then sometimes things just happen and then you can discuss them afterwards and reflect and have those conversations and take care of yourself. 
what mm -hmm. do you do to continue to develop and strengthen your gifts as you lead your community? Because I think it's always like we talked about earlier, it's always a journey. So what do you do mm -hmm. to continue along your journey? I think, so now I think I know, so part of what I do for myself um, is, so I use our, as I mentioned before, our vision board playbook, which divides up all the different roles that we have in our life that I want, for me, the ones that I want to be very intentional about. So there are over about 17 plus roles that I believe that women are constantly juggling. And so if you're not intentional about which ones you want to focus on, you'll end up juggling the ones that people keep throwing at you. And so what I set out to do for myself and the women that purchased those vision board playbooks is to get clear about what is it that you need to focus on for this year, you know, and this year it could be, it could be six months into the year, but still for the time that is remaining for a calendar year for you, where do you want to focus? And so when I'm doing that, one of the areas that I have with my vision board playbook is self-care. And in that self-care is also my professional development. So I set out to determine what are the things that I want to get better at. So for example, I'm taking a class right now through, we were talking about some of the influencers um, online that are not just influencers, but I think that are really good in their, like not good, they're good between good and great, but they are great in their craft. And Maddie James is a person among many that I believe is just really, really great at um, that space of brand partnerships and blogging and things like that. And so that was one of the things that I wanted to learn and get better at is working with brands and collaborations and things like that, um, not just for myself, but also for my clients, because some of the clients that I work with, um, they are in a lot of different spaces. I have clients who work in the government who work with missile defense. And then I have clients who are fashion bloggers, two totally different ends of the spectrum. But there are things that I like to know, not to be the expert in, but you know, for myself to grow so that I can do more brand partnerships and collaborations. But as they are business owners, or if they're doing this as their passion project, I want to be knowledgeable about those things. And so um, I am very intentional about focusing on what things do I want to learn and get better at, whether it's hard skills or whether it's character development. And in identifying the specifics of what that is, I um, write out what is it that I need to do to, do to, to get that? What is it going to cost me? When am I going to get started with that? And then lastly, as I mentioned before, who's going to hold me accountable to making sure that I get that? Um, and so those are the things that I put in place for myself. Um, and that I challenge my clients to do as well is that, look, if you're saying you want to do this, what are we going to do in the professional development or personal development space to get you to where you need to be so that you have those tools in your belt? So as you said before, if I'm going to ask them to do it, I got to do it myself too. So I am very intentional about that development. That's awesome. And to your point, like if you're going to ask somebody else to do it, you need to do it as well. That's the leading by example. Absolutely. I am, you know, one of the things that I believe as a leader is that, and I think this, I, I, I think this does still go back to my dad. And then I think my grandmother too, my mom's um, mother, is that both of them just being servant leaders is I have often taken, I'm not going to say always, because always is a very, you know, definitive word to use. Um, so as, as often as I can, take the position that if as a leader, if I'm going to ask you to do something, it's not something that I wouldn't do myself. So if I'm going to ask, if I were to ask a, a staff member, you know, if I had them, for example, to clean the bathrooms and the toilet, 
trust you me, I would do it too, you know, so I'm not going to ask you to do something that I myself wouldn't do. And so because it's also important to understand the experience of it. One of the things that I learned that is so excellent at Starbucks um, is that before when I got hired, um, even though I worked in operations and I was the executive assistant for one of the regional vice presidents, um, before I could really step into that role, I had to go work in the cafe. And they require that of, I believe, all employees, even if you're an executive. And even if you're an executive, especially if you're an executive, you have to work in the cafe even longer. Like my time in the cafe was for one week. Um, executives often work in cafes for weeks at a time before they start leading their team or just in the beginning those stages because the importance of it is to understand perspective. If you're going to make a decision on an operational or leadership level, the great companies, remember we talked about good to great, Jim Collins talked about good companies and great companies and Starbucks is one of those great companies that he profiled is that if you're going to be a great company and a great leader is that you need to have perspective of if you're going to make a decision that is going to impact your front line, you need to know that if even if you think it's great to be able to do it to save money, who will this impact and how will it impact them so that when you're making those decisions, you understand and it helps with employee retention. And I don't know that this is why they do it. It's just my opinion about it is that in helping with employee retention, it decreases uh, turnover, which also impa impacts your bottom line in terms of having to train new people all the time because you don't have a pulse on the morale and it appears for your team that you don't care about them. And so when you can understand how decisions on a top level impact your front line, who are your people that are impacting, who are working with your customers, then it makes you a much better leader, a much better company, so that you can have sustainable growth over time. And we're putting an exclamation point there. <laughs> exclamation, exclamation, absolutely. And then the adding to exactly what Michelle said, that the reason it worked so well and why it's worked well for Starbucks is because of the empathy component. When you as a leader, manager, an executive, when you're doing frontline level work, you understand the nuances and the challenges of that role. And so then when mm -hmm. it times, comes time for you to make decisions and as a leader, you have to make hard choices, decisions at mm -hmm. times. You can be more empathetic in how you make those choices, how you implement them, but then also you can communicate mm -hmm. them better so that way the team moves forward together. And I think the same thing yep. applies to a community. Like when you're leading a community, if you've been in that space before, you understand the nuances and the responsibilities of it. So then when you're making a choice on behalf of the community, it's easier to guide people. So I love Absolutely. that. That's so important. For women that have a desire to lead a community with purpose, how do we make sure that we are building with the right motivations and intentions? What do Ooh, we that's so good. Wow. So one of the things, um, there's this, so there's this coaching program that I do with clients that's called What's Your Next Best Move? And in that, that's for people who are trying to figure out what should I do? Like what, you know, I, ha I might have a lot of different options or I don't know what all the options are. 
Um, what is my next, not just my next move, but what is my next best move? And one of the first questions that I ask them is, what is it, what do you want? And so they have to define, what do I, what do I want? The next question that I ask them to answer is why. So they answer why. And then I ask them again, why do you want that? And they answer that. And then I ask them, why do you want that? And then they answer that. And I ask one more time, why do you want that? Because what we're trying to get to is what is your motivation behind it? So if it is that you're building something and what we get to the honest truth, and because I'm asking you to be super vulnerable, because I have to do this with myself, right? Because there are things that I want in life, not because I wanted it, you know, and again, I know I've talked most of the time about the vision board playbooks, but the importance of those vision board playbooks is the reason why we do them is because there's no magic in the pictures. People go, I believe, to vision board parties and you get excited by the music and the food and the people gluing down pictures and you see somebody glue down a picture of Turks and Caicos and all of a sudden now you want to go to Turks and Caicos. You never wanted to go to Turks and Caicos until they put that picture down on their vision board uh, in their, on their vision board and now you want it. So it's important to understand our motivation behind it because what will happen is that if your motivation is not right, when you get that thing, you will not be satisfied and you'll have an empty feeling. That's why with Dreams Unleashed, part of the work that we do with women, it's really more so reactive as opposed to when I get to work with young people, it's proactive in that what has happened for a lot of us is that our parents, our guidance counselors, our teachers didn't really understand how to equip us to understand what are our gifts. And what is our motivation? What are we passionate about? What is the problem that we're trying to solve in the world? And so a lot of times people have created and curated these lives that are more reflective of things, that, but not really reflective of what is the work that I want to do in this world. And I'm not saying that the thing that you do in your regular nine to five has to fully be aligned with your purpose, because you may not decide to be an entrepreneur or, or what have you, you can do it in so many other ways in terms of living out your purpose, but knowing your motivations will help you with so much heartache and help you in terms of saving the money and the time if you can be honest about why you want it. So if at the end of the day, let's be real, I want to create this, let's say somebody would say, I want to create this, um, this platform because I want 100,000 followers. Well, why do you want 100,000 followers? Well, because I think it'll, you know, people will respect me and I think that I can influence it. Well, why do you want that? And if we get to the core of it, it's the reason why you want it is because you feel unseen. Well, wait, 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 let's address that. Let's deal with that word so that if we can address and heal that spot, then we can help you to do the work that really gets you excited and about getting up in the morning. Because if your motivation is wrong, as they say, when the rubber hits the road and things get hard and people start stealing your ideas or your products or you get complaints from customers, it will be so hard to track up that hill. But when your motivation is pure, and let's say you wanted to create that platform or that business because you really believe that you are the one that can help set people on a path to self-discovery or whatever your purpose is, then when it gets hard, you remember that passion and that motivation and that problem that you're trying to solve, and you're willing to do whatever it takes 
to be able to get to that thing no matter how hard it is. So it's important to make sure that your motivation is pure. And when I say pure, that it means that you're being honest with yourself about why you want it. I agree wholeheartedly. And I think because in the digital age that we're at with social media and so many visual stimuli that we have, that it's so easy to see something that we like and want it for ourselves and not have that self-reflection to your point of why do we want that? What's motivating us to want it? Does it really fill a need? And is that need healthy? Like what you were saying, like if you're wanting it to be seen, well, why do you want to be seen? And is this the healthy way to go about it? Absolutely. All day. You mentioned the vision playbooks. What other resources and tools have you used or do you recommend that people use in developing their purpose and making sure that they're finding the right motivations and intentions to building a community? Yeah, I think, you know, and this is, this comes, this is, this is the part that I'll say, this is um, me being, you know, where I, I challenge women to, you know, toot your own horn if you need to toot your horn, you know, because if I knew of a great restaurant and I didn't share it because it was my restaurant, you know, then dad, why are you holding back on me? So first resource I would say is definitely Dreams Unleashed, not because it's just me, just because I know for sure that the work that we do is impacting women and being able to create their most authentic lives that not is just self-serving, but also helps all of us globally so that you deliver to the world what you need to so that we can get what we need also. So I think, you know, definitely working with Dreams Unleashed in a coaching capacity, speaking engagements and things like that to be able to um, to get clarity around what is it that you want and how do you go about building it. Um, other things for me are books. You know, one of my, a few of my favorite, favorite books, like in my top Five, I think this top five or top 10 um, is The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. It's a must read um, because that is one of the books for me that helped me to get off of the hamster wheel of bad habits, of understanding my um, triggers, routines, and rewards, how to shift those things so that I could stop doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. People say that's what insanity, but that's what we do. Um, And so that book really helped me shift a ton. Um, One of the books that has been really, really great um, for me is Shonda Rhimes' Year of Yes, um, because it helps to shift your thought process about stop saying no to things and really start embracing the yeses. And I think Lisa Turk Turk said, I have not read her book, but she talks about the best yes. Sometimes for me, I even just like book titles, honestly. Um, There are times that I won't read a book, but the book title is like a whole sermon to me. And so just that idea of the best yes. But, you know, Shonda Rhimes' book is that for me. And then the last book in terms of business um, is Blue Ocean Strategy. Hands down, one of my favorites. Um, I will say it is a very meaty book in that if you're not a data person, it is a lot to read. I am not a data person. So it's one of those books that I kind of lily pad through um, to be able to get what I need from it. But then listening to the TED Talks and then other white papers around it, um, it has been one of the things that when I first started Dreams Unleashed that really helped me to help my clients to think about their, their businesses in a very different kind of way. And even your dreams, too, of uh, being able to create. They talk about creating um I forgot what the exact 
subtitle, but it's creating uncontested market space that in a world where there is so much red ocean, which is basically where there's sharks and piranhas, that people are all fighting for the same customers. How do you build a base of customers and a business and services and systems that support a blue ocean territory where people are not competing on the same things that even if somebody steals your ideas, they can't do it like you do it. And that's the thing I know about Dreams Unleashed. People could take whatever they want to take at the end of the day. And that's for any of us. You know, at the end of the day, they can't steal me, though, because whatever you take, and this is where, for me personally, my faith kicks in, is that whatever you take from me, trust and believe God's going to give it back to me tenfold. So I'm not, you know, is it as a human being, is it hurtful when it happens? Yeah, it's hurtful. But this is the thing. You can't take anything away from me because, first of all, I didn't even give it to myself. From a faith perspective, God gave this to me. So if you're trying to take it from me, you're trying to take it from God. And God's supply for me is limitless. So go ahead and take it because just you know and believe, if you take it from me, all he's going to do is upgrade me anyway. And so those kinds of things for me are very important um, in terms of tools. So even if you're not, you know, from a faith perspective, I think having some kind of spiritual grounding in this world, because there's so much that wants to take from you, that you have to have some sort of spiritual basis. For me, um, from a faith perspective, it happens to be Christianity. For you, it may be something different. And I respect that from each person, because there's always... For me personally, I just believe that there's so much that I can learn from everybody, regardless of our differences and what we believe and what we subscribe to. There's always something that I'm like, oh, wow, that's an interesting principle. I'd like to apply that to my life. And so I think just being able to use the world, as they say, as your oyster from other people to be able to learn from them, to not just take, but to be able to give back as well. So those are the resources and tools that I feel like are really important for me. I love that. And I'm so grateful to be able to learn from you today. Thank oh, you. thank you. Thank you for being here with us today, Michelle. Tell us where we can connect more with you. Yes, 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 yes. So uh, on the website, www.dreams-unleashed.com. And I tell people all the time, the party happens every day on the gram. And you can find me at Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E dot McKinney, M-C-K-I-N-N-E-Y. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. And we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Women Who Excel. Continue the conversation about leadership with our VIP listeners inside the academy at littleblackdeskacademy.com. Again, littleblackdeskacademy.com. Enjoy the podcast, share it with a friend, and or leave a review sharing what you enjoyed most and why someone else should listen to it. Let's go lead with excellence.